We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 is we're going to start off this morning, and I'm excited uh, that you guys are here. Before we begin, I'm going to begin with some prayer. That's a great way to start, uh, and then we'll kick into it, okay? So let's do this. Father, thank you so much that we get to meet in this rec center, which is just a facility to facilitate us coming together as a people to be your church. And uh, we're thankful. We're thankful for all the churches in this town that get to gather freely, and um, we pray for them that, God, you would change and grow and develop and motivate all of their hearts to follow Jesus. We pray that they would be a picture and an example of following Christ to their neighbors. And we pray that you do the same thing here with us, that we be a people who have been called by your son into life. We are sinners turned saints, and we're so thankful, Jesus, that you did that for us. I pray you would use me this morning, you speak through me and my gifting, and, uh, and I'm thankful for all the people in the hallways and in the classrooms and the setup and everything. Everybody's been a part. Thank you for putting together a team of people here that you could use to make your name famous. And we pray your name would be famous in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So um, do I have anybody in the room who likes sports? Anybody in here like sports? It's okay to say that. I'm not trying to call you out on idolatry. You like sports. Okay. I like sports. Anybody in here play football? Let's go. Got some football players. Did anybody in here play rugby? Hey, let's go. All right. If you go talk to those people, they're going to tell you their name very slowly because they're still catching up to where they are right now. And you're going to see why. So this morning, I want to show you a picture. If you've never heard of something called a scrum, it is probably one of the manliest, most beautiful pictures of athletics that you will ever see. So let me show you this real quick, and uh, we'll come right back. His head is between their butts, just to be honest. Look at that. You see that grass folding up? That's some amazing piece of athletics right there. So uh, a scrum, okay, uh, forgive me, I'm not Australian, I don't do rugby, like I would have died inside of that thing. But here's what is a beautiful thing about the scrum. A scrum is a group of men who get together and they lock arms, they lock bodies, and they just, I mean, the, the strength of a scrum is not just in their legs, but it's in their ability to hold on to each other. And so they grab each other's shorts and they rip each person into themselves as tight as they possibly can. Because when they move as a unit that's incredibly tight, the other team can be stronger, but if they're not tight, the, the, more, the team that is one will expose that and will obliterate them. And we get to see, when you see two powerful teams like that, they're hovering like a foot off the ground. That's a lot of muscle. That's a lot of power. In, in the church, we're called to be kind of like a scrum. We're called to be a group of people that hold onto each other really firmly. We care for one another. We hold on tight, okay? And, uh, but here's the thing. In our culture, um, today we're talking about dependence on one another. And in our culture, 
Uh, many people, we like the idea or the picture of harmonious community when people come to together to do something that is far more powerful, far more uh, acute or just th than you could ever do by yourself. People love to see that, but they'll never want, they never want to be a part of it if it means it's going to cost them their own autonomy. And in the church, a lot of times we come to the church and we, we like the idea of what's going on and all that, but we're not willing to commit in a way where we're going to have to be dependent on others or where others are going to be dependent on us because we love to have our own independence. Is that not true? It's especially true here in Cody, Wyoming, where half the people moved here so that they could be independent and ain't nobody going to take my guns, right? We love ourselves some independence, but there's a problem with independence. There's a lie in the midst of independence that Paul's going to expose to us. The idea that things are better if I could just be alone is a lie. That I could have more control over my circumstances. I can avoid hurts. I don't have to face the pain of someone letting me down. The idea that it's better if I make my own unchallenged decisions, it's better to go it alone. Today we're going to talk about the body of Christ. And I'm not talking about his physical body that he walked around with, but we're going to talk about the church. A group of diverse people who come from a diverse backgrounds, who are all united by the Holy Spirit, and who have spiritual giftings that come together to do far more than they could ever do by themselves. And we as the church, we believe that if God is the author and perfecter of life, the designer of the human being, then what he declares to be the proper system of operating is our only best. It is the best way. And we have to recognize that grace-filled interdependence that God designed for the church is what's best for us. So this morning, as we talk about this, this message is going to be both an encouragement to many of you, and it's going to be a tremendous challenge. Some of you guys are going to be... Uh, surprised by how much you believe in this message, but how much you don't actually walk it out and you struggle to walk it out. Some of you guys are going to start to be filled with hope that could this really be the case? Could we really be like this? And you should be filled with hope and you should be coming with an expectation that we, the church, can be like this, that we're called to be like this. But all of us, if we have any wisdom, should be praying together that this would be and would more become the way of Outpost Community Church. Amen? That we want to be a tight family. That when we stand together, we're unstoppable. So we're going to break this into two pieces, okay? The first half we're going to talk about is we are an interdependent body. And then the second half we're going to talk about that we are an interdependent body made up of indispensable parts. Interdependent body, second half, indispensable parts. Breaking it down to help all my type A's in here, okay? Because I love you. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 and 13. Let's read this together. It says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. Okay. Uh, every comic book hero has an origin story, Right? Iron Man was a wealthy playboy inventor. Spider-Man, skinny little dork who got bit by a spider, right? And the Hulk was a scientist who got blown up by a gamma bomb. All things that could really happen, apparently. Um, but they're each unique, and each story is unique. And each hero, if you've seen the Avengers, brings 
something unique to the table, something unique to the team. And when you put them all together, it makes an unstoppable force, right? Unless they don't get along, right? And then they cause more problems than they actually solve. If you've seen the movies, spoiler alert. But the story is similar with the church. All of us, even in this own room, uh, we all come from a diverse backgrounds, okay? We come from so many things. We have oil field mechanics, athletes, moms, veterans, accountants, addicts, builders, abusers, and so many more. Teenagers, grandparents, we're all in this room. All of us are in different stages. We come from different places. We're coming from all kinds of experiences, and we come together to be in this one room together. And that is what it looks like to be the church. But our enemy is not a giant alien in outer space, okay? Our enemy is sin. It's sin, and it runs in the hearts of all mankind. And what does sin do to us, guys? It separates our families. It makes us stumble and land on our face. It causes slavery and devastation and brokenness and murder and all kinds of atrocious things. It's the one unforgivable, unsurmountable thing in the world. It's our greatest enemy, and we can't defeat it. But God, right? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved. Right? And so Jesus, who is the picture of a true hero, comes and does what all of us, we couldn't do, guys. We couldn't do it. We tried. We tried to attend his church services. We tried to stop doing sinful things. We've tried to, you know, maybe sing in the choir, do kind things, help the old lady cross the street, donate some money. We tried all those things, but we still could not defeat sin. And Jesus says, I have conquered death. Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And so when Jesus accomplished this, he did something for us. Okay, and I want to show you a picture. Here's you on the screen. Let's see if this comes up. This is you. And uh, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, uh, our origin story, no matter where we come from, we come together, we all have the same transition story coming into the body. And it says that we are baptized into Christ. This is what it says, okay? He says that every single one of us is baptized uh, in the Holy Spirit, okay? Into the Holy Spirit, every single one of us. To be baptized is to be immersed in. So we're immersed in the Holy Spirit, and we see in Scripture that the Holy Spirit gives us new life. Well, I guess that works. Yeah, definitely. Now you see you better now, huh? You look good. I'm just saying. Um, We're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're not just brought into the Holy Spirit. You're also brought into the family of God, of all the people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we become one body. And the Bible calls that being the body of Christ. Okay? And we come together as spirit-baptized people who believe in Jesus. But not only are we spirit-baptized people, it also tells us that we are filled with the spirit, okay? Or that we all drink of one spirit is what Paul says. You can show that in the next picture. Really simple picture. But the idea is that the Holy Spirit is within you. So what we see in Scripture, and you guys turn the lights back on, is both that you are immersed in and you are filled with the spirit. And when you are immersed in the spirit, the only way that you can be immersed in the spirit is if you have received the gift of God's grace by believing in him repenting of your sin and believing in Christ. And when you do, you're not an isolated person. You're a person who becomes a part of the family. But also, as you come to be a part of the family, a person who's filled with the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 3.16, we covered it months ago. Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's Spirit dwells within you? He also gives you spiritual gifts. Remember talking about those last week? That each one of us, 
We come from unique backgrounds and experiences, but we also bring something unique to the table. Okay? And there's three things that I want you to understand for this conversation before we move forward, okay? Here are the three things. All who are baptized and dwelt with the Spirit are equally saved. Listen, every single one of us is equally saved and a part of the family of God. I am not a better part of the family of God than you. And I'm not a lesser part than you. Just because I stand up here and I teach, just because I serve the way I serve, I am not a more valuable member of the body of Christ. Each one of us is equally saved from sin. Do you hear that? You need to think about that. Number two, all have a spiritual grace gift or a supernatural ability for the good of the church. Every single one of us. If you have accepted Christ, you have a gift that Paul calls a gift of grace that is meant to be used in this body. And number three, you are no longer a dead individual, an individual, but a living member of the body of Jesus, the church. Look at verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, man, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. So what Paul's exposing right here, and I want you guys to see, remember the three things, that if you are baptized, you are baptized and indwelt with the Spirit and equal with everybody in this room. Number two, that you have a grace gift. And number three, you are alive and you are a part. You also got to realize that so many things inside of you are resisting that. Everybody in this room, there's pieces of your flesh that resist it. And in Corinth, they resisted it. And Paul's exposing. One of the reasons that people resisted being a part of the church and being a part of this team, being interdependent, was because of comparison and self-doubt. When they came to the church, they felt like that what they brought to the table wasn't really that important. Have any of you guys felt that way? Where you come to church and you just don't feel like you're enough or that you don't bring enough because maybe you're not a pastor, you're not a prophet, you're not a teacher, you're not a healer, you're not a missionary. You're like, I'm just a regular old Joe. I don't bring much. I just set up chairs. Whatever the case may be, if you've ever felt that, that's the thing that the church was feeling in Corinth. But Paul steps in and says, listen, that's not the way that it works. Why? Because the whole, if the whole body were an eye, look at verse 17, where would the sense of hearing, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? What he's saying is this, he's talking about that uh, the question of whether or not you have value, the question of whether or not you bring something to the table if you are in Jesus, it's the wrong question to be asking because the reality is God has designed diversity into the church. And diversity in the body of Christ is extremely important. It is good. That's the point that Charles, Paul's trying to make, and it's really simple. It's really important that you guys are different and that I am who I am and you are who you are. Because think about it. If I were to ask you and I came up to you after the service and said, hey, which part of your body you want to get rid of? All right, we're going to chop it off right now. Which part do you want to get rid of? I think every single one of you would be like, uh, none of it, please, right? I'd like to keep all of my stuff and, uh, because all of it's good and all of it's important. Because just having to be able to smell or just being able to taste or just being able to see is not what God designed to be the full experience of being human, right? 
The full experience of being human includes all these things. Guys, it's the same in the church. The full experience of being the church of God who's a rugby scrum that holds together, that could do far more abundantly than we ever asked or imagined, it includes a diversity of people and gifts. A diversity, and it's so important. That's why Paul says next, but as it is, God, listen to this, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Think about this. God decided to save you. And God decided and chose that you should have the gifting that you have. Now, you may not know what it is, but he's given it to you. And God has arranged this body according to his own divine sovereignty that we would all be together for such a time as this. Think about this. Do you understand this? You are not here by accident. You are not saved by accident. Yet some of you doubt whether or not you have, that you should even be sitting in the room. And he's saying, listen, God has arranged for you to be sitting where you are right now in this church today. He knew it. Here's what you guys need to understand. And I, my greatest prayer is that you would understand verse 18. Because if you begin to understand verse 18, then you'll begin to realize that you and all that comes with you, your hurts, your habits, your hangups, and your spiritual giftings are exactly what this body needed for such a time as this. And I have no problem saying that biblically we need you. And God has given you to us as provision and as a means of grace that we might be a better and more God-glorifying body. Do you understand that? I'm not trying to elevate you. I'm trying to celebrate God's work in you for this body. That's amazing. Here's the thing. A lot of you guys question whether or not you should be in the room, but if God wanted somebody else to be standing in your shoes, don't you think he would have put them in your shoes? But he didn't. So who's the best man and woman to be sitting and standing where you are? According to God, it's you. So what should that do for our faith? Let me tell you what it should do for our faith. Three things, at least three things. Number one, it should give us a humble faith, shouldn't it? It should give us a humble faith because God chose and gifted you. God did it. He didn't look at you and go, you know what? I love the way he parts his hair. I'm giving him a good gift. There was nothing about you outside of God who knows the future said this is what they need. Come on. It should give us a humble faith. So be confident in him. Praise his kindness and kill your pride. God has given it to you. Let's go. It also should give you a courageous faith. Should it not? Doesn't not that thought make you courageous? That if God wanted any man in the world to be in this room, to be where you are, to be a part of the family that you're in, he could have chose anybody. He said, no, you are going to be the means of grace. You are who I'm going to use. And here's all that you need. That makes me courageous. That makes me want to do crazy things like plan a church and meet in a gym. And say, you know what? God wants to use me. I'm 31 years old. I don't care what you think about my age. I will not let you look down on my youth because I know God has given me the gift that he's given me and he's called me to a purpose. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to step into it. And I don't know what God will do, but I'll step into it. And as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. And the question now is for you. Do you have a humble and courageous faith knowing that God has also chosen you? 
to be his people? I mean, come on. And the last thing it should do is it should give us a communal faith. That guys, he didn't just equip and gift you to this body. He also equipped other people in this body to be there for you. Let's go. And so as the body of Christ, here's what I'm telling you. I'm looking at you right now and I'm saying, I am depending on you to use your giftings because I don't have all the giftings and I need you. Because when you're a part of my life and you hold tight to my clothes and you pull me in with mercy and grace by the power of the Holy Spirit, man, I get to be a part of something so much better than I could ever do by myself. Hey, seated around you are people who are gifted in mercy. Don't some of us need some mercy? Seated around us are people who are gifted with wisdom and discernment. I'm telling you, I need, I need people who are gifted in wisdom and discernment. Because like I said, I'm 31. There are gifted people in this body. And I see you guys, and I look at your eyes and be like, man, us together? What could happen? What could happen? So here's what I'm going to do. I want to show you a picture. You guys have seen this. I apologize for the uh, white Jesus. Um, but this is a picture. We went on all of your Facebook pages and stole pictures of you. That's a lie. I didn't do that. <laughs> That'd be a waste of time. But this is a picture of like, I don't know how many hundreds of people. And this is what it really is. This really is just a great picture of what Paul is trying to say. That we are a group of people who make up the body of Christ. And we are, we are all interdependent. Every picture in there helps to make a better picture of what it looks like to be Jesus. Because Jesus was the only man who walked this earth that had all the gifts. But together, we can be a picture of Christ, working together. Now, I will say, all of us in this room would say, I've been a part of the church when it was definitely not a picture of Jesus, right? Have you felt that? You know what, you know what leads us to be that? You know who needs to make that decision? You do. You have to decide whether or not you will make the decision to trust in the Lord, understand that he's given you the giftings, and lean on each other. You have to decide that for us to be that body. I can grab onto your clothes all day long, but you could say, I'm done with this scrum and I'm out of here. But when we do it together, man, it's beautiful. So now that we've talked about being in, we are in a interconnected body. Now let's talk about indispensable parts. Let's talk about this because this is controversial and I think against the grain in the modern church. Let's look at it. It says this, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 21, says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you, feet. Right? Can't say that. Can't say that. Why? The second reason that Paul shows us uh, that people were resisting being part of the body of Christ in Corinth is the same thing that we got going on. It's this idea of spiritual elitism. I'm a pastor, therefore I'm better than you. And I don't know that I even need you. But sometimes it's not just the spiritual giftings where we look at one another and say, mm, I don't know if we need somebody like you. You know what we really need is somebody like this. Why don't you just sit down and pay attention and uh, keep up, brother. We also do it when it just, we come across personalities. Where we're like, you know what, you're a little tough. Don't we do that? I've experienced it here at, at Outpost already. We're like, man, what if I'm in community with a really tough couple? And I'm like, tough? Does Jesus love them? Well, yeah. Are you following Jesus? Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, then the answer's already there. Love them. You know what usually happens in the church? This is not my nose. I'm going, I did this last week. I shouldn't do this, but I'm doing it anyways. Um, you know what we typically do in the church? When there's a hard person, you know, the church, they have these words. They call them EGRs. You know what that means? Extra grace required. 
If you don't know any, it might be you, and I'm one of those. Extra grace required. Here's what we do with people who are EGRs. We ignore them, we ostracize them, we tell them we don't need them. We gossip about them behind their back. You know what we want to do at Outpost, and we've made it really clear as a leadership team, that's never going to happen. Well, it's going to be tough to be in community with them. And I said, tough? It was pretty tough when the nails were going through his hand. Do you want to complain to him anymore? We're called to love one another. I'm one of the toughest cases. When I was a young man, I was really tough to be around. And uh, because I was just extremely selfish and I was manipulative and I would just be a chameleon. And my youth pastor and them, they all knew that. But yet they still loved me and gave me time. And because those people loved me and gave me time and cared for me, I was transformed by the gospel. They grabbed me and pulled me into the scrum. Okay? And 16 years later, I get to stand before a group of people, and you don't know what I was like back then, but somebody in the church loved me. So I'm a big believer that if God wants to save you, then you're a part of this family. I don't care how messed up and battered and broken your marriage is or you are, you belong here. Because God chose, and that's not my decision. Does that make sense? You guys need to adopt that as your own view because it can get in the way. Verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker what does he say? Are what? Indispensable. We can't get rid of you. Now, technically, as a church, we can demember you. You know, you could go to prison. I don't know. But what he's saying is they're indispensable. On those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow gr- the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. What is he talking about? He's talking about the body and, you know, physical body. There's parts of our body that we typically cover up, right? They're behind the scenes parts. But just because they're not being presented or they're not a face of the ministry doesn't mean that they're not important. They are extremely important on our body, right? The things that we can cover up. And the same thing in the body. There are people who are a part of this body who are doing things that you're benefiting from that you don't even know their name. You don't even see what they do. And they're behind the scenes, and they're working and using their giftings to glorify God. And you don't even see them. And I want to give them honor. The tech people back there, right? Let's give a round of applause for the tech people. Right? Let's go. All the chairs that you're sitting in, many of you guys rolled in here at 10, 10.05, right? Got in here. And these were all set up. You know that was a group of men. They get up and they meet at the office at 7.30 a.m. to come set these up for you and get everything ready. Can we thank them? They're in the room. Let's say, awesome. Bring honor to those guys. Isn't that fun? That's amazing. There's a group of people who put together all the curriculum for the kids' ministry in the back, not because we believe that you, we are your kids' ministry, but so that we can be, do a, a good job, be good stewards of them in the time that we have with them back there. Can we thank the women who do that? Can we thank them? That's awesome. You don't even see them. You serve in kids' ministry, you go back there and there's a tub that's all ready for you. It's got Ziploc bags, everything's in order. It's all prepared because somebody else used their giftings and their time to go and be a part of it. That's awesome. And I stand up here and people go, man, Greg, I love your church. But here's the thing, okay? Uh, I'm not this church. We are this church. And if you're not a part of this church, you're not a part of this church. Now, you could be a part of God's global church, but locally, there's a team of people here who say they want to be members of one another and say, we want to work together like a scrum to fight for the body of Christ because we believe what he says in verse 24. But God so composes the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. 
We believe that everybody in this body plays a part, okay? Verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We believe that we could not do this by ourselves. It's not just me. It's not just the leadership team. It's 100 members who say, we want to do this. We want to be a part of this. We want to see the kingdom of God built and proclaimed in Cody, Wyoming. That's why we come together. And what Paul's saying right here is this. We're not just drawn together by our competencies. We don't look at you and say, man, you bring good things to the table. Be on our team. We do not recruit. Let me say this publicly and loudly. We do not recruit from other churches. We have not asked for any of you guys to leave your churches and come here. We don't want you to come here. But if you do come here, we want you to plug in and be engaged in God's mission. And we'll hold you accountable to that as we hope you would hold us accountable. Do you understand? And if I just lie to you, you have the total freedom to come and admonish me. Why? Because I need you to. To help me follow Jesus, because I'm not perfect. You hear me saying this right now? There are people who believe that's true, and it's, that's not what we're trying to do. And you guys should be careful doing that at the same time. That's a side note, but let me bring us back. What, what ties us together is not your money and what you give and what you do. What ties us together, and this is what Paul says, when we suffer together and we care for one another, what he's saying, what ties us together is love and the Spirit of God. If, if you were to come up here and I were to pinch your arm, don't you think your whole body would respond, right? If I'm going to pinch your arm, is your whole body going to jump? We want to be a body that we're, when you're affected, we're affected. When you're honored, we're all praising God and thanking him, saying, hey, that's one of our dudes. That's one of our family. We want to do what every good quarterback coach or quarterback does, right? You ever see NFL when a quarterback's being interviewed, they just won a big game, all right? There's terrible quarterbacks, but then there's good ones. And what do good ones do? They know that we win together and we lose together, right? What do you see them do? They go, hey, they're like, man, great game, good job. You threw for 500 yards and three touchdowns. You know, amazing. What do you think? And what do they usually say? They say, look, I could not have done this with all those giant linemen in front of me. But they don't stop there. They say, I couldn't have done it without my coaches. I couldn't have done it without the men up in the box that you don't even see who are looking down and helping call plays to help us strategize how to win. But they go even farther and say, man, I couldn't have done this with my, my parents who gave me the opportunities they gave me. I couldn't have done this, done this without my family who's loving me behind the scenes and you guys don't see them and supporting me when I'm scared and I don't know if I'm going to be able to succeed. And then they will go even farther and say, I couldn't have done this if God had not given me this body to be able to do this with. So praise be to God that he's given me all these things. If you want to honor me, really honor this whole team of people who are around me. Right? We as the church is the same thing. If you ever hear somebody say, man, we, we love Greg's church, you get to say, no, 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 that's my church too. That's not Greg's church. That's our church. That's Jesus' church. Amen? And we get to do this together. And so it's kind of like, uh, like a body. When you make decisions uh, to choose what you want to eat as the body, right, as a person, your mind and your heart can make decisions it wants to make, right? Ribs, pie, a second slice of pie, later on a third one, right? You can make those decisions and your mind and your heart are saying, I want that thing, right? But then you, so you tell your mouth, this is what I'm going to eat. And then it goes down, your stomach has to then digest it. And then the rest of your body has to pay for it, right? They have to carry your weight. They have to carry what the heart and the mind want. But when the heart and the mind say, I love the body, 
they say, hey, I want to eat things. I want to bring things into this body that makes sense for the flourishing. And so they bring in things. The body digests and the whole body is blessed. We want to be, a, here's the thing, guys, listen. We're not going to make an argument that I'm the mind, right? The leadership team is the heart. All of us have to make the decision every single day to personally choose to receive what is good. And all of us will benefit from your daily devotion to Jesus. Choosing to say, today I will follow Christ. Today I will be his body with my friends and my family. Not just on Sunday when we gather, but every day of the week. Let's be that kind of people. So here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. If you're a member here, that means you're in a community group. And I want to encourage you, in your community groups, I want you to talk about these two challenges uh, to engaging in the body of Christ. What, are doubt, what doubts do you have that, you, that are holding you back from engaging in this body? Do you feel like you don't bring something to the table? Do you feel like your gifts don't matter? What's getting in the way? I want you to talk with your community group this week. What are some ways that your pride has gotten in the way? Maybe you looked down on the other people in this body and said, well, why are they a part of this? Or you cast a judgment or you've gossiped about them or you thought that you deserved more honor and praise. Talk about that in your community group and just be honest and share it. I've had to confess on both ends of that where I doubted God. And here's what I want you to understand. When we doubt our gifts and abilities that we bring to the body, ultimately we're doubting God and his ability to use us. Because this is not rooted in the opportunities at Outpost. This is not rooted in how good you are. All of this is rooted in God. Do you understand? It's all rooted in God. And so at Outpost, we're constantly, you know, one of the things as a leader that I'm learning in the midst of this process, and this is how I want to end this. One of the things I'm learning is um, I... You know, does anybody in this room, would you be surprised if I told you I was a visionary type guy? Okay, if you don't know me, some of them are chuckling, I'm dangerously visionary. Okay, it's the reason why I did the one thing that church plants should never do. Uh, I, I was listening to a podcast and they say, you know, the one mistake church plants always make, they do too many things. And I was like, oh crap. Because that's how I am. I'm like, man, we could do this and we could do this and we could do that. Let's do this. We have 12 ministries at Outpost Community Church. You know that? 12. We've been around a year. That was not a good idea, but it's been awesome. Okay, but here's the thing. I've always got in my mind ideas of like, man, we, if, if we had somebody who was gifted in this way or that way, we could do this thing or that thing. And what's been really amazing is one of the best ways I see where God wants us to go and where God wants us to be is just by looking at what do we already have. Do you understand? Looking at what we already have. There are certain things that we're doing in Outpost that I never, I didn't think we were gonna do for five years. But because we had people who met those needs and said they were passionate about it, they had the gifts, and they're ready to go for it, we were able to do it. And there's some things that I thought we would do six months ago that I'm not sure we'll ever do. And some of those examples are uh, Jeff and Celeste Dannemiller. I want to thank and praise God for gifting us with that couple. Because I didn't think regeneration, this ministry that helps people with hurts, habits, and hangups, go through a one-year discipleship where we don't fix your problems, but we point you to the Jesus who does, they have spent their own time and their own money flying down to Dallas for two trainings to put on this thing that we have multiple people going through so that next year we can launch it to our whole community and hopefully, by God's grace, meet lots of needs. Isn't that awesome? Let's praise it. Praise God. That's amazing. I think of, I think of Tommy and Valerie Trogett, two people that, you know, two years ago I had no idea who they were and then they got thrust into my life 
um, when I went down to Dallas. And they sold their business, they moved their family, they got training, and finally they drove from Texas all the way up to the greatest state in America, Wyoming, to the greatest city in this state, Cody, so they could be with us. And you know what, one of the things they say, maybe you've met them and they said this to you, and you're here today because of that. They go around our town and people say, hey, what are you doing here? Like, we came to Cody, is what they say. We came to Cody because we want to help people with their marriages. And they are gifted. And praise God that God provided someone who's gifted in that way. I think of Jake Scott, who help comes up and leads us in worship. I wasn't sure what worship was going to be like, all right? I wasn't sure if it was going to be me just gong-showing it along or what. And praise God, God has gifted Jake in such a way and Chet and all these wonderful people in this body. Praise God for that, right? And when we have them part of the body. I think of Kate Monfeld, who is a mother of four children and volunteers this whole past year to lead and direct a ministry back there that is a blessing to your children, watching them come out memorizing scripture. She wants to equip and help kids and help you be better mothers and fathers in discipleship. And she does that and doesn't get paid for it at all. Praise God for Kate. Amen? Praise God that you provided somebody who was able to do that. It's awesome. And here's the thing. I could go on and on and on and on and on. That I look around and I go, man, thank God for that person. I, I've said this a lot and I can keep saying it and I will keep saying it. I, I think about people and I go, man, if that person wasn't here, it'd be so much different. If that person wasn't here, it would be so much different. Guys, you should all be able to say that. And if you're members of this body, you should all be saying that about your community. Man, if it wasn't, if these people weren't here, it'd be so much different. Praise God they're in part of my life. Praise God we've got that person to be a part of this scrum together, right? That's what it means to be the body of Jesus. And if I want Outpost to be anything, I want us to be a family of people. Our vision statement says that we envision a band of brothers and sisters who are known for their love for one another, known to be Jesus' disciples by their love for one another. I want to encourage you guys. We are called to love one another. Listen to Paul's last words, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? What's the answer? No. Not everybody in this room is like you, but praise God you're here. And not everybody in this room is like me, but praise God I get to be here. And I'm thankful you're here. Let's be a team. Not everybody has every gift. And not, there's not a single gift that every single one of us has. So praise God we've got you. And that God's gifted you. Verse 31, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Does this say completely opposite what he said before, that there's a hierarchy to the gifts? No, that's not what it's saying. Okay, now are there people in this body who play a more significant role than others? Yes, that's true. But this is what it's saying. That word desire comes from a word, I can't even pronounce it, but it's the same word we get, the word zealous. What he's basically communicating to you is be zealous to use your giftings and grow in them. Desire to be more or more highly useful in that gifting. Does that make sense? Because, and I believe this, you can atrophy in using your gifts. Some of you are so strong, and the reason why is because you're using it. And some of you are so weak that you don't even know what your gifting is. Why? Because you just don't serve anybody but you. 
This is what Paul says, 1 Thess 5.19, do not quelch the spirit. He gave you this gift. Don't hold back. Use it. 1 Timothy 4.14, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders lay their hands on you. He's talking about Timothy. But to all of you, you've been given a gift. Don't neglect it. Use it. It's a supernatural ability. I know you wanted the Hulk super strength, but God gave you something even better to use. 2 Timothy 1.6, for this reason I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God. Man, our prayer is that at Outpost, we're always helping you get better and better at using the gift that God has given you because that gift was specifically given to you for such a time as this, and we need you to use it. Anybody ready to go? I'm ready to go, and I'm hoping you guys will go with me. Hey, I want to close with this one thought. And guys, you guys come up. I want you to think about this. You are indispensable in this body. But the whole reason, if you are a member of this body, and if you're not, we invite you to be members with us. We do not think that you have to be a member to be more rightly uh, in line with Jesus, but we do believe that it helps us to be more right as a body of Christ. Okay? If you've accepted Jesus, you're a part of the body of Christ. But where are you going to be locally deployed? And this passage makes it very clear. You should be locally deployed. But here's the thing. You are indispensable because God made Jesus dispensable for you. Think about that. If it wasn't for God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be condemned on a cross for the sake of yours and my sin, we would never belong to the body of Jesus. But praise God that Jesus counted godliness as something that couldn't be grasped and he lowered himself to the point of being a servant, even a servant who would die on a cross so that you and I could be a part of this body. And now you belong. And if you are not a part of the body of Christ, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never taken that step, I want to tell you, you can belong. And the invitation is open to you. You do not have to wait. You do not have to get yourself together. Jesus has covered all of it for you. And as we're about to sing in this song, his blood ran like a river to take the river, the ocean of your sin away. And praise God for him. Let me pray for us. Why don't you stand? Father in heaven, praise your name because you are good. Praise your name because you are kind to those who reject you. You are kind to your enemies. You extend grace to those who spit in your face and wander and go astray. Praise your name. Thank you, God, that while we were still dead in our sin, you brought us in through your love. And thank you, God, for every single human being whose heart is beating in their chest in this room. Thank you that they're here. Thank you for those who have given their life to you because you chose them and drew them in. Thank you that you've given them a gifting. I pray by your spirit you would exhort them to use that gift in this body, knowing that they are absolutely essential for what you want to do here in this body. You wouldn't have given them a gift to begin with if that wasn't the case. And I pray that Outpost Community Church, that CMA, that Cody Bible, that House of Prayer, the Presbyterian, every church that calls on the name of Lord Jesus Christ and believes in your word, that they would unite together as they scrum together, that we would see you do things far more marvelously than we've ever seen in Cody, Wyoming, and that this truly would be the best place to live in Wyoming because the spirit of God is at work and is moving and people are being transformed day by day. Help us to believe that you really do want to use people like us. I pray that in Jesus' name as we sing this song. 